Welcome everyone to another installment of the Evolution Exchange Gaming Podcast. Today I'm joined by Vincent McGill, Senior Game Producer and Interactive, DJ Rizma, CEO of CFX Gaming, Jakob Kronisch, COO and found, co-founder at Mystic Games, and Patrick McGrath, co-founder and CEO at Moonlit Games, here to talk about the practicalities of Web3 Gaming. Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here, the Nordics Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Before we begin, we'll start with some introductions. Patrick, could you kick us off, please? Ooh, first to go. Um, yeah, name is Patrick McGrath. Uh, you, you just kind of introed me. Uh, the co-founder and CEO of Moonlight Game has a decade-plus experience in mobile free-to-play and just trying to pull that into the depths of Web3. Um, the first game that we are launching is called Rogue Nation. It's a roguelike ARPG, and first playable should be out in a couple weeks. Fantastic. And Vincent? Yes, uh, I'm Vincent Fagil. I'm the senior game producer for an unannounced project at Antler Interactive. I've uh, been in the game industry almost 20 years, um, working on mostly MMOs, shooters, web games, um, theme park attractions, and now uh, Web3. Lovely. And DJ? Sure thing. Great being here. Um, I'm DJ, uh, CEO of CFX Gaming. Um, company founded in October 2021, um, and we are already early release with Cryptopolis. Um, we we started building Cryptopolis because we we saw the the shifting and the change going on in the game, and from Web 2 to Web 3. But we re- really believe in that step in between Web 2.5. So um, we started creating a solution for that, and um, yeah, that's uh, we we've been developing for 1.5 years now, and. Uh, in early release and now now starting up the partnerships and uh, equity rounds already. So, uh, but I'll be telling you more about that in this podcast. Thank you. Lovely. And Jakob. Nice. Hi, I'm, I'm Jakob. <laughs> um, I'm uh, 16 years in the industry. I've been working for Voodoo, head of studio before, and before that at King for five years, um, building up the studio in Berlin. And then before that, MMOs mainly, um, and started off with um, DS games, uh, very very early back in the days and uh, now co-founded uh, Mystic Games um, and uh, we are basically just um, just got our first game Call of the Void out so um, feel free to join our Discord Twitter and uh, download the game and play and give us feedback <laughs> Lovely, so you all have a question on the practicality of Web3 Gaming so we'll get Patrick to start, so Patrick what is your question and the context behind it? Oh, my question is, how do we make NFTs in-game maintain their value post the game's lifespan? So, of course, easy answer is, well, just the game lives forever. Ha- happily ever after, right? Um, 
but that's not always the case. So really when you have people believe in a project, uh, how, how do you give them that, that, uh, I guess assurance that either your game will continue or you will be providing additional value to NFTs. So that's kind of like the general kind of thought in the question. Um, DJ would love to hear your opinion on that. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, we, we have been thinking about that in the beginning because there, there is also another thing. You can also destroy your economy if you don't look at it very good. You can really destroy your gaming economy. Um, I'm not going to tell, uh, call any games out, but I know one game who destroyed their economy by, by not thinking about it. Um, but what we strongly believe in is that, you know, it's a real blockchain word, word, word but utility of, of NFTs or better say, better to say assets. Um, and we call our NFTs booster packs. Like that's also what people are used to already. And all our boosted packs, um, in our game, for example, have, um, if you take a fridge, there's food in the fridge and you have to really take care of your character. Um, and your energy level needs to be rising. Um, a lot of times you need to keep your energy level up high. So if you have a fridge, you can eat a banana, you can keep your uh, energy level up. And by doing that, you can start continuing playing the game. Um, and all the NFTs are also being linked to each other. So if a fridge, if you have a fridge and that has the same rarity as your bat, they, uh, they plus each other up. So that's, that's the first step we are taking to, to give real, uh, lifetime beneficials to our assets in the game. Um, and that's just the beginning, right? And while you're doing gaming as a service, you're expanding your game all the time. Um, and thinking about new ideas and giving yourself as a company the opportunity to do that. Um, it's just a start and we can start building from there. What do you think, Jacob? Yeah, I mean, you can do it several ways. Um, I mean, um, we are thinking about like, uh, making it possible in the long run to like potentially take the things on, uh, and use them in different games that from us, but also potentially other people. And then when it comes to metaverses, you know, you can use like dress up with things that like people even if the game died out or especially when it died out you know it's like some ancient thing some vintage like really shitty looking 3d thing that people walk around with and it's a new thing because now in the metaverse people need to find the crappiest stuff to wear because you know that's how it is in real world like you need to put on some horrible plastic bags and like puffer jackets and rip the jeans and stuff and like walk around like find something completely different where something that doesn't exist anymore for a long time, you know, to be, to be back in, in, in the trend. And so I think that's definitely something that we are thinking about, but still, I think, um, I'm not, we're not necessarily thinking about that at all, you know, like as, in, as a thing that we want to communicate to the players before they even have played that game, you know, that, oh, and you could, you can also take it somewhere else. Like we want them to keep it there. And to just use the Web3, you don't even see my hands now, right? Uh, so anyways, but I think the, the whole Web3 part for us should be like hidden and we don't want to communicate anything about people can use it later on in some other game because they didn't do that before. So why would they want to do it now? You know, uh, I think that shouldn't be even the primary thought uh, behind it and giving them a value proposition of like, you can get this here and then take it somewhere else and then bye-bye, you know? Like we want to say that if you have it in the game, it's amazing. And if you continue to have it in the game, it will always give you an advantage and, um, will make you cooler, better, stronger, 
And so that's why, yeah, like it's only an idea because, because it has been around so much that people were chatting about it. Like, what are we going to do with the things when the game dies and stuff? It's like, I, I, that shouldn't be that. I don't want to think about that right now. Um, sort of thing, but, um, yeah. So that's why I think I'd like to scrape a lot of the thoughts that we had from back in the days when it comes to web three games, because it was just like dressed up like banking apps and stuff like that. And, and just like people speculating uh, on things. And so I think we really need to rethink the whole concept and really look at it from a different angle and, and get rid of this whole crazy business aspect of things and, and increasing the, the value of the tokens and all that kind of stuff, because that's just not what games are about. Wow. Alrighty. Uh, Vincent thoughts. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I, w I would echo with that, but, and I also think that like, uh, obviously you don't want to start off the conversation with regards to keeping, uh, value of, of NFTs post lifespan and using that in a sales pitch. Right. So, I definitely think that there's going to be meta layers like maybe PlayStation Network or a kind of Steam or something in a metaverse from Facebook or whatever, where people will be able to have the collections of what they've stored. For some people, like let's assume that this existed for 20 years or something like that. You had Doom back in the day. You were playing Doom and you had this like amazing NFT where you had the you know yellow jacketed character that no one knows about. Very naturally, because I think we need to go with it, you know, the gamer's psyche in this in this part, very naturally, 20 years down the road, you're going to talk about the games that you were playing as a kid. We did the same with Magic the Gathering or Pokemon cards you're going to be playing about. And it's not so much about showing off, but you want to talk to your friends like, hey, I got the Yellow Jacket character in, in Doom, right? That in and of itself already gives it value because it it is part of your life now and it's a tangible asset that is very uh specific to you if you know what i mean right so it's a very kind of collectible unique thing that you managed to accomplish that is timeless now and the value of it later on is already starts off in the psyche of the of the player that it's there that it exists that it's you even though no one plays the game anymore yeah i'm, I'm actually a, a big believer in this uh, nostalgic value uh, the reason why i ask this question is because inevitably talking to people in the web 2 gaming industry this is always a topic every conversation that comes up so it's just interesting to hear what what others in at least the web 3 building uh space kind of think about it um but uh, also i grew up in seattle so magic the gathering like any example there just like man you know having like first edition cards or you know, specific cards from older sets. Like this is always something that is a tangible uh, example, but uh, yeah, great, great answers. I think this is something you can do retrospectively quite easily from my perspective. Like I've seen this basically happen in a universe. So uh, think Blizzard, you've got Hearthstone, World of Warcraft. If you hit level 13 World of Warcraft, you get a portrait in Hearthstone. So that is basically two completely different games, but I can flex that I've done X in Warcraft with Hearthstone. So now I'm thinking, all right, what is the reason to do this cross gaming companies? Like if I do really well in Moonlight games, would Moonlight games care? I wouldn't have to move that asset to a different game, but maybe it could be, hey, I've got a badge and now I can flex that in a different metaverse. 
I think that's a way which, if in the game dies, like for example, there's discontinued items in pretty much every big MMO. They stop doing anything and you can't get them anymore. And then eventually on the auction house, they slowly go up to like max cash because it's just a flex. Everyone loves a flex. And this is what would happen, I think, if you have a game that has nostalgia, kind of Magic the Gathering. I doubt people collecting all the cards that play very regularly, they've become pretty much collectors or just speculators. Like, that will happen if they have that nostalgia of their childhood, which will happen with time. And I think this is one way where you don't have to worry about moving the asset. You can just have it as a link. Like, I've hit X here. That means I get this feature on the future metaverse or something like that. And again, you can do that retroactively. So I think that's one way I've seen. I don't know if that sounds really made any sense. I mean, I think what you're talking about is like the, the ongoing utility within an ecosystem, right? Uh, at least before all of these changes uh, in the, the mobile space, AGT and all everything Apple is doing, uh, it was really a race of like getting people into your ecosystem of games um, and trying to keep them there. So like your example of, you know, max level whatever character item from this game, well, hey, you also get a benefit in our other game or games. Um, and then having some partnerships throughout the industry where, hey, uh, you know, this means something in our game, it can transfer into sure. your guys' game, Jacob, uh, or, you know, whichever game. Uh, sure. This is, I think, what is setting up Kind of the, as again, using magic as an example, it depends on like the tournament format because you can use older cards versus just like the newest set. And so there's a variation there where there is like a collectability of, hey, this Alter is utility. It, exactly, because it's a powerful card. This is generally like, there is some correlation with the, the card's power. Um, so yeah, it's just there, there's a lot of like real world uh, uh, analogs that you can just point at and say like, yeah, but it's happening. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited to see where it goes. Uh, time to move on to the next question, which is from DJ. DJ, what is your question and the context behind it? Yeah, my question is um, exactly what we are aiming for. So um, it, the question is, how are you going to attract the Web two gamers to your Web three game? Um, well. For, first of all, I, I, I really think that, um, uh, I, I also want to hear your opinion on this as well, but um, I don't think the players, gamers, really care about what is Web 2 and what is Web 3. Um, they really care about, is the game fun enough to play? Can I talk to other people? Can I be part of a community or whatsoever? Um, but the thing they could care about is owning their own assets and creating a lifetime value with that. Um, but it's still very difficult for for. For players to to go to the to the sort of say web three because you have to create a wallet do a kyc or create an exchange and by buying the asset you need to have the token of that game and it's still very blurry and very difficult for for gamers right so um, we really believe in that web 2.5 step um and yeah i, I would love to patrick ha have your opinion on this as well but what do you think about about that transition uh well, I mean, you kind of like hit it on the head. Like, you still have to make really good games. This yeah. is fundamentally what people are about. Like, Web 2, Web 3 doesn't matter. It's games. Um, of course, I think we're all in this space because long term, when you look at all things equal and the addition of just a simple tech 
and the uh, ability in which you give to users, I think the choice then becomes very easy for them to see the value proposition, right? Of course, everyone's pointing at Axie Infinity and saying, huh, these aren't real games. And it's like, well, yes, this is like, you know, you don't go back to 2010 and find a mobile game and say, mobile games suck. Like, look at this, right? Like, there are so many great mobile games that are coming out. But it's it's like an evolution over time and in being able to leverage the technology. Um, also, another point that you made is like, don't tell them. Like, you know, let them judge the, the, the product on its merits. Look what Reddit did. I think what, what they did with their avatars is absolutely just like masterclass of early adoption. Said nothing about Web3 crypto or blockchain. They said unique avatars. Hell, they didn't even say wallet. Hey, this thing's important. Put it in your vault. Right? Exactly. So they're they're exactly. creating their own words that people have a very tangible understanding. And of course, like, man, I want to keep my stuff safe, like a vault. Like, thanks, Reddit, for giving me this. Uh, and so slowly, people will start to engage with this and say, oh, oh, no, I, I like... I don't feel any different. I'm not a degen. I'm not like a crypto bro. <laughs> like, I guess this web three isn't so bad. Uh, and and you know, as you were talking about like the KYC and a lot of the the tooling nowadays in the past probably six to nine months has really advanced. Like single sign on to create wallets is fairly prevalent now. Um, so if we just think, you know, six nine months a year from now, I think that the onboarding process will be fairly analogous to what we experience on mobile. And once we get to that point, this is where we can start to really get players into the games. And hopefully uh, early projects are leveraging the technology for new game design, because I think there's some very interesting things that you can do with the technology that players will kind of be wowed by. Uh, It's not totally zero to one, but uh, it's it just it kind of like we're in a spot where it's like the old board quote. Uh, if I asked uh, people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses, right? Like we need to show them these cars and they're going to be like, wow, why was I ever doing that? Um, so, yeah, I, I think it really is just like get our experience as close to Web 2 as fast as possible and then, you know, allow the tooling and the onboarding experience to evolve to a point where it, it's it's seamless yeah yeah i think so too i think um that that's the last thing you said is i i also think that the web 2 or the traditional gaming development companies um are the companies that will push it to owning the own efforts or the free to play so to say games and the market is really growing up like there were people who had no experience in gaming they're like okay we're going to do web 3 and we're going to do a quick cash grab and I, be- I really strongly believe it's up to us to to um to grow up the market and 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 use the web 2 experience there already already is to push it into web 3 and then that will be very seamlessly and um what you also said is that you don't really have to educate people on what is web 3 gaming you just have to educate them on we have a new game it's fun to play and at the end if they understand that okay the things i bought still have value i can sell it or whatsoever for that surprise effect. Yeah, that, that's something which can can be happening later as well. 
What do you think, Vincent? Well, I think that, uh, you know, just adding on to what's already been said, because I think we, we're all in agreement, you know, gamers first, make sure that the game, I agree with it, we shouldn't sell these things uh, and start out by saying like, oh, you know, you can do play to earn or all these advantages that you have. Uh, the only thing I would like to add on top of, because I agree with you guys, is that like, there is a segment of Web3 community gamers, which are fairly, you could call them, I, I hate to use this term, but you guys will know what I, what I mean, whales in that sense. So they are basically crypto investors. They're a fairly sizable group of people that go around from crypto game to crypto game, seeing which games that they believe are have the most potential and they want expensive things to buy. So they'll want to buy, for example, a piece of land or a, a special character. Like if it's a football game, they're going to want to be the ones that buy Messi, right? Or, or Ronaldo or whatever. And so they specifically do it for so that months later or, you know, half a year later, they could sell it. And to be honest, it's not too different than than what happens in the real world. I was reading even in, in Forbes the other, I mean, last year that there are a lot of people in New York that are buying uh, shiploads of uh, of Lego boxes unopened, keeping them in storage, and then selling them a year later because they go up 10, 15%, right? Which is higher than storing your money in in, in banks. So um, there there's businesses of people doing that. So what I believe in, don't talk about it, about that market, but when you're designing your product, like be wary about the fact that you should be allowing uh, the whales, again, I hate the term, I know it's overused from free to play, but to be able to buy expensive stuff, if your game does go viral or runs really well, they can buy expensive stuff to sell again. And it eventually could become a fairly sizable portion of your revenue. I don't know if I yeah. derailed your answer here. I'm no. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I strongly believe, believe the same thing. And it has to do with, in my belief, with phases where you are development. So if you come up with the idea, you can sell a token. You can do a, you can do a token sale. You can do a expensive um, exclusive asset nft shell um also to to gain extra capital to develop the game so i i i also believe in that but i also believe that once you will start launching your game so for example now we have 20 percent gamers and 80 percent whales um it needs to shift the other way around because the gamers will keep your game sustainable sustainable so i strongly believe in that as well i think you have layers right you especially I think I think in Asia there's a very big group who already knows that you can you can earn a, a small buck with playing a game, and this group is very very big because their monthly salary is low, and if they earn a ten or twenty dollar extra a month, then that's very welcome. So I think that's a layer. Then you have the layer which has a bit more money. They will buy the assets. They know the system, and that's something you can build up. But um, yeah, yeah, depending on where what your stage is with the game, um, I think. I think that's also very important indeed. Brian, it to Jacob. Yeah, I mean, uh, I agree also with all of the things that you guys said. And um, I think uh, offering something to Wales just to, to kind of finance, like the production of your game is like, feels kind of a bit off somehow, especially if it's like land or so that people speculate on, just sit on it, it doesn't have any real meaning in the game or it's something that even ruins your game economy in the long term and then people are like just really mad that they will never ever catch up with that uh and the longer they like the later they join the game the, the more horrible it gets so i would rather offer them something valuable that uh increases in value over time and especially over playtime 
and not just time. So this is really something that we're like looking into and trying to emphasize is that it's about playing the game and it's really about like growing a network in the within within the game of, of like your friends and everything that you can share that you can can build up on and that it's worth not investing money but like time and also also social you know like these are like all the different components that are really important for us and um, yeah so we do not even think about all of that also most of the words that you're dropping like are not necessarily super present in our kind of day-to-day kind of like thinking or, or or work or life or anything it's really about let's make a really good game um and let's make a better game than all the others or let's make also a good game again that hasn't been there in a long time uh, or or not in that form and then uh think about how we can add all the thing in, to the back like just how you guys said as well like keep it keep it a game and then see where you can get get all the stuff out but i i know it's a bit of a problem right everything is in, a, in 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 like everything plays together like the market the money that you have you want to develop a game you want to develop a good product you also need the money you see the new technology you see how what the technology did and how people were so blinded by the whole kind of craziness of things you know that you could make like a five hundred thousand dollars from a jpeg of a monkey and stuff like that and Eminem would want it from you and stuff like that. So it's it's like it's it was just like people were just like it was just a crazy world somehow, you know. And now luckily things got a little bit back to to normal also regarding the whole COVID situation. Like I think it was just three years of like people just kinda of lost their minds a little or something like that as well. And now like people are actually remembering like that there's it's about products and like you know, we can't just make teenagers like sell hundreds of thousands of euros of things to people and that have really amazing lives and then show it to us and then what one of our cars end. So I think um, this is uh, kind of healthy <laughs> to see the, the the development and also that we are all actually on the same page with this. It seems to be quite a healthy movement towards the next generation of, let's say, Web three games. <laughs> yeah. One thing I'd second what Vincent said when it comes to whales. Like, obviously, you can make there's different levels of egregiousness. Like, if you have it where a whale can spend a thousand bucks and just you're a year ahead of a free to play, yes, that's egregious. But, like, for example, cosmetics, Fortnite, this is a really expensive skin that can be traded. Then I don't see the negative where a whale can come in, buy that, maybe chill out, thinks the game's doing well, likes the founders, coming back in six months, maybe sell it for 10-15% extra or double or crazy or what have you. That seems like a win-win-win. If they lose, sorry, good, but like more money for True. development and like I'm thinking like all the games that are so popular today, the ones I play, like the free-to-play ones, like I know there's like 1% of players putting money and just showing just literally just hemorrhaging cash to them basically which is funding my amazing free-to-play experience so i think there is a healthy balance that we can strike like i don't think you can say no to whales when like you can have cosmetics for example like i don't see that what do you think jacob yeah just quickly i think it's really about the nature of the game right if it's a social competitive type of game or something like that where people can see each other it's really about that um i think people really many people kind of misunderstood the whole idea of like if i make 
more stronger things and I sell them as NFTs in the games, then people want them and pay more money for them and can sell them for more expensive and so on. But <laughs> that kind of like concept doesn't really make sense. And I think like just many people misunderstood it also in a certain kind of sense of like how scarcity works in like real world and like there's land and then we can, there's only a certain amount of size of land because we live on this kind of planet or flat earth as I like to call it. And then like you just cannot buy more land beyond the ice walls, right? Where the Nazis probably also already occupied most of the space. Um, and so <laughs> I, I'm just joking, right? Just because no one gets my, my face in this, in this podcast. But um, <laughs> like, but so this doesn't really exist in digital worlds, right? So you really have to smart about like, what does this actually mean and how do I translate that over? So I think that that's definitely super important, but uh, I agree, like, you know, anything that doesn't hurt the game or makes people too powerful with money, because we also have enough of that in real world, um, is, uh, is bad. Over to you, Vincent. Yeah, um, I, I kind of the only thing I wanted to add is that like uh, just following up on the on the Lego example, you also have these like very expensive Lego sets that are like eight hundred bucks, nine hundred bucks. Like you know, ninety percent of people can't buy them, but they're also not harming everyone else, right? So I, I definitely agree that if it's carefully designed in your game, it's it's merely kind of offering a wider range of things people can buy, and some people only buy to sell, and I was just saying, I, I don't see that as a negative in a sense, as long as, and I agree with Jacob, it doesn't influence or or one-up the other players, right? So there there's a place for that. So for example, if you want to do something as crude as sell land, um, make sure that it naturally fits your game so that it doesn't influence the other players, but it allows these guys, it does have value, but maybe in a different way of playing. So for example, let's say your game is Call of Duty, the gameplay is fun and you're shooting and it's a shooter. But then owning the map, right, the level, that could be an NFT that you could sell for an enormous amount of money because no one cares. It doesn't influence. But then that NFT could be customized with some billboards or something, you know, just throwing it out there. But then that allows you to have a different sales channel that whales could sink their teeth into without, you know, violating other people's fun. I love it. And I think at the end of the day, sorry, just, to, just one last thing. At the end of the day, you know, this is the beauty, like the secondary market decides right and as long as you're not destroying the game if you want whales to whale out great you know like <laughs> have at it um and then you know because they are just the high end of speculators and every game will need speculators with a secondary market because you need the arbitrage uh to to steady the pricing on these things but uh yeah i, I would agree with you Vincent. like as long as you're not disturbing the actual in-game like gameplay uh just having these offerings that you know whales as we'll just keep going them, uh can sink their teeth into and speculate like this this should be fine over to you jacob and we'll move on to the next one yeah i was just thinking that it would probably bring you like you know your dust to coca-cola map finally where everything is just coca-cola <laughs> textures and you're playing dust too and you're just gonna go like Wah! need more coke uh so <laughs> I think um, it's dangerous, right, to give the whales the power to take over and customize billboards and levels, because then we're really going to be in a situation where you're going to run around like Burger King levels and stuff like that, because they like got some scandal again. But yeah, um, it's uh, it's an interesting. It's going to be so interesting to see how this whole like economy meets like games, you know, which clashes into each other. And it's going to be like. Wah! 
that'd be beautiful. Hopefully we're going to get some from it. Like the, the good parts. <laughs> I mean, it already happens in FIFA. Like I'm pretty sure the banner is actually paid for, right? I mean, that's a real life sure. example. I mean, make that an open auction, make an NFT. Is that button. I don't care. Game rate. Do you love it's fun. Yeah. Well, in FIFA, it makes sense because it's like, if it's not there, then I'm exactly. not excited. It's, you know? yeah, it's part of the realism. Yeah. Realism. And if I'm in Call of Duty and I'm in, and I see a billboard, I'd expect to see an ad. Uh, that's like, that makes sense. But yeah, if the, if my gun texture is not a Coca-Cola, that's where it gets a bit too far. Fair. Um, before I wanted to move to the next question, sorry, I have to. Uh, Marvel Snap, I feel like has a very good balance on this where if you're a whale, you can only spend X amount of money every day. Like there's an actual limit. And you have to actually play the game to utilize those benefits. And I found that as a very nice way of doing it where you literally need to level up your collection level to actually use the stuff that you've paid for. And I think that's a very nice balance where, yes, you are getting more powerful, but there's a league system. So you're not playing against these powerful people because in theory, you don't have those cards and we all have the same cards. Uh, in, that's a very specific example where it's cards, but I think that's really cool where you can tie whale activity to progress away everyone's kind of going at the same pace. They can go run away, be at the top, but eventually you will catch up. That's just one curious way to do that in the NFT space. Lovely. Swiftly on to the next question, which is Jacob. What is your question and some quick context behind it? Yeah, so for me, I think it's uh, something that definitely is uh, something really challenging uh, for us at the moment, which is uh, regarding like, how do you guys like kind of juggle like the the how do you balance the 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 focus between like working on the game you know focusing on gameplay the whole web3 part regarding nfts and tokenomics the community part and um yeah just uh, generally the the whole marketing side of things um when it comes to your development cycle because it's you know you you just cannot like lay it out nicely especially in our case like we're not like a huge studio and we don't have like infinite amount of resources and, and, and capital so we need to be really smart about that and we need to understand the people as we build the product we need to give them the product so they understand what we're doing so they give us like uh feedback you know and so on at the same time we also are like producing the content and we're trying to lock in the content you know because nfts are obviously not necessarily super interchangeable and you also don't want to change your game and game style uh, nonstop when people actually have it in their hands already. So this to me seems like to be quite a, a like very difficult challenge at the moment to really make sure that everything runs smoothly and clicks into each other uh, as we go. And I wanted to know your guys' opinion and then your experience so far, how you, how you managed that and how it went for you. So yeah, DJ. Yeah, but yeah, sure. Um, so we have a f already, like we did do a lot of paid advertising or marketing yet. Um, but what helped us a lot was, so so we already launched the token and yes, we had some of the whales in we just spoke about. Um, but since we have been very transparent and not, this is a Web3 game, this is a crypto game, this is just a new game. Um, we had some of a transition in our community going from investors to gamers. And we have always been very transparent. And since we are in a tower, we have weekly tower talks uh, with developers, with everybody working in the company um, and really got our community um, the visibility. Like what, what are these guys doing? Uh, for example, like what does a Niels or head of studio have for, for lunch or whatsoever? They're really being pulled into our company and pulled into the game as well. 
um, and we work to the early early release and are really using our community um, and they know um, finding bugs like help us create this game. They are really part of of, of building that. Um, so to to briefly answer your question a little bit, what we are doing right now is the development is still running on the background. We have five more pillars to to complete before we go to full launch. Everybody knows, but um, in the meantime, we are just growing organically, just being out there on all platforms and by daily post, uh, post the thing about today is women's day in the tower as well. And that's something we are doing right now. And in the meantime, I'm just orientating by region, how people would react to our, our game and what we should do to make it visible. So sort of, we, we know sort of how to do it organically, but also are still really looking into how, how, how could we create a real big marketing push without using all our resources. Yeah. Just quickly, if I can jump in as a quick question. So like when you, you had bigger changes or so, or even like made mistakes or so in the game and then people, because you were so open and honest about it and you pulled them in, cause that's my idea and vision, right? And that's what I want to create, but because we're not really there yet in this really direct, like play and give us feedback and become part of the team. We're just building that up and, and telling people. Uh, I don't have the experience yet, but it's good to know that this is actually something that works for you and that people actually respond quite positively to. So you didn't, you didn't have any shit beep storm so much. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah. Well, of course, uh, every once in a while, there is somebody who is just giving you a hard time. But um, since we have a very good community management and people in our community who are, who are um, um, bringing that back to a positive vibe, like, okay, well, why are you doing this or this? Did you forget about that? Um, so it really gave us a very positive fight because in the meantime, they were finding our bugs. We could fix them. So we have time to fix bugs instead of find, finding them. Uh, that really helped us. And they are feel, feeling part of you. And and that is really important. And what we, there's one thing I, I, I like to tell us as well. Uh, you have all these affiliate programs, right, uh, nowadays. And that's something we want to be adding as well. Like, if you buy your first asset or complete quest line, this or that, and have a friend get in as well, then you will get a 10% lifetime revenue share or whatsoever. That, that's also something we're we are still thinking about because really pulling people in and having a lifetime, lifetime sustainable cycle. Oh, I want to take this to Vincent, please. Um, I, am a big believer in, in micro communities. Uh, we've done, uh, we've done some launches, uh, which required like big media campaigns and stuff like that. And I think that those things are, are, a, are a loss at this point anyways. Um, you know, when you look at like a lot of, um, what a lot of kind of like automation did is, you know, like Ikea furniture or even in food, you know, McDonald's and stuff like that is that at some point there's like a desire for authenticity. And I think in video games, we've had decades of massive marketing, you know, campaigns and community managers and all this other stuff. And I think now we're moving a little bit back towards, you know, people would like to hear from other people that are actually making the game, that are actually uh, running the show. And I think they'll be a lot more forgiving to, you know, just literally talk to the game designer or, or at least the game designer puts a post out there and puts, you know, whoever you are, Put your face out there like hey i'm making this game there'll be a lot less toxic behavior i think because the more anonymous the walls are the more kind of like people feel that they can just like uh you know be very toxic against what you're doing and stuff like that and also i think people when they see this real 
people building this particular game, they will slowly start to almost like you're watching the Kardashians and people think I got to watch the Kardashians because it almost feels like you're part of their little group, right? Even though you've never met them, you don't see them and all this other stuff, but you see that they are real people talking to you. Well, I think Kardashians are they real people, but you know what I mean? Like, so if you as video game developers put yourself out there, expose yourself, make yourself though, make yourself seen that you're actually real people building something, I believe that the community around it will slowly start to see you as people and will start to form like some sort of uh, relation uh, with you and your company. <clears throat> yeah, truly humanize yourself like as fast as possible. Like, you know, there's lift the veil, make sure when people are talking crap, like they know, hey, you're talking to a real person, like, chill out. Um, love that. But uh, so, so, like, to the original question of all these elements, like, happening, you know, uh, all at once, uh, I, I don't see it very different than, you know, being in the trenches of running a live game uh, where all of these things are happening. It just now happens sooner, like, you know, early development, because you're building this community, trying to gain awareness, uh, you know, trying to to market the web three elements if you're trying to do like nfts or utility tokens is another aspect where you're balancing economies or trying to think far ahead and you don't want to release a nft that's you know a, a a dead nft by the time your game truly launches but uh for us well i think we're fairly lucky we're a very small team but super capable individuals that uh had very like-minded approach where we wanted to grow organically right there's not a ton of web3 gamers and of course everyone like speaks badly about speculators which we don't we don't view it that way but we would just want more gamers because we have a very aggressive uh, uh, development plan where we will start opening up the game to people very very early and so just to kind of go through like the milestones in which we had it's like first playable pre-alpha alpha closed beta open beta so already like you have a number of uh you know for starting at a very early point in time a number of milestones that were allowing players to come in and experience that luckily because we did start building an organic community like the community was thrilled about this because Beyond just the humanization of the team, I think a lot of people have talked about here is the aspect of wanting to sit shotgun, be like front row to the actual development of a game. Because this is like a massive benefit. There's a lot of people that have actually talked to us about, uh, you know, positions at the company. Hey, can we work for free? Uh, we, we just want to actually understand how to build games, how, you know, how the sausage is made. And... For others, you know, because not everybody wants to work in games, it's pretty brutal sometimes. Uh, others just are really enjoying the show, as you said, like the Kardashians. Uh, real people or not, uh, it, they do like hook you and bring you into that experience of, hey, like we don't drink regular water. Every all our waters are out of a bottle, crystal tear bottle. Um, but uh, so th this to us was like a data point that was like really. Uh, refreshing because we do want to get these early builds to players have them be a part of the conversation of how the game is developed and also utilize you know essentially thousands of qa testers because back 
in the day not so long ago. You'd pay 40, 50k to have 12 testers over two days play your game and give some feedback. And it's like, small companies like us don't have money to just throw at this. This is like, you know, working at EA or Zynga or Playtica, you know. Um, so we don't have that. But, you know, even if we did, it's not really great value proposition. It's 12 individuals, so there's already, like, selection bias. And uh, can you really trust 12, you know, pieces of feedback? No. What we can leverage is thousands of pieces and people finding bugs. And this, to us, at an early stage of game development, uh, like, just really is very valuable to us and then the experience on the, the the player side is kind of the value to them and we can even get money from the people to be able to be testers and to be part of our group which is insane if you think about that we had to pay for them like 10 That's times as much before that they give potentially give us now uh one second so can you call this play to earn da -dum, da -dum. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's literally just when I see a premium open beta on Steam or like like nine pounds, you can play the game. It's an early access. That to me is paid QA. I mean, why not take advantage of the fact that the crypto community is very much enjoy being a part of that? That's like it's you see that from like just NFT communities and it's the same in game. Like the fact that you have that definitely take advantage and make it like own it type thing. Uh, I think we'll move on to DJ and then after that to the final question. Yeah, I felt I totally think that as well. Like the community, but they are early adapters, right? So you're giving them a chance to level their prestige up in, in, in your game already. And they know if it goes to full release, I really have a benefit to other players as well. So and if you if you really are that transparent and you tell them like, okay, we could use you guys to really fight these bugs. Um and by doing so you you gain prestige in, in your game and by your character and that will benefit you once it goes to full release it's just beneficial for for everybody it doesn't cost you any money and it it, it gives you new players and gets the word out it gets eyes on the game so in every every aspect it's 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 positive 100 percent, lovely move on to the final question now which is from vincent vincent what is your question and the context behind it all right, so I'll start out with the context uh in that sense uh when you talk to people um uh, you know, even people within your own team that you're working on a crypto game, Web3, uh, almost everyone or way too many people, let me put it this way, get a fairly negative reaction, kind of thinking that you are kind of trying to rug pull or you're exploitative business practices. Uh, you're just uh, trying to rob people off uh, things. And it's never going to be, they also believe it's never going to be in the best uh, interest of players. So what I en ended up doing, and you know, let me go with the context before I go with the, with the question, I said I, I, I go through them and ask them what are the various uh, you know, business models video games have had. Right? So free-to-play just takes you, sucks you in and tries as much as possible, every step of the way, compromising gameplay. I'm, I'm not just going to approach this as negative as possible, right? just to make a point. Uh, every step of the way, as much as possible, to convert you into a paying user or bully you into being a paying user or leave in that sense that we all know the 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 tactics there with web3 uh, nft games all you have to do is create as much value as you can so people like your game now how could that be negative for gamers when you think about it um so then usually people slowly start to mellow out when you talk to them about it and present it in a different light but my question here is 
how can you breed trust during crypto, uh, the current crypto mindset amongst new, us new users and talent? And I was wondering what Patrick would have to say about this. Am I? Oh, no, I'm unmuted. Cool. Uh, cool. Well, I mean, first, it's just like us being part of that change, right? Uh, the, the mindset itself, as we've already talked, is pretty, pretty negative. Or at least the outlook on on Web three games, um, and and rightfully so, right? Just like any new platform, any new technology being leveraged, we have to figure out the best ways in which to use it. Um, I have like a really kind of good example of this from very early days of the transition into mobile free to play, because there was a lot of people that were like, "Hey, screw mobile! Nobody wants to play on this little tiny device." And free-to-play, my God, like, you talked to any designer 10 years ago, and you were an idiot for even considering free-to-play. Um, when I was at PopCap at the time, who had Bejeweled Blitz, and when Candy Crush came out, it was immediately apparent, like, we're fucked. <laughs> like, they had made a game specifically like leveraging phone in the tactile interface and turn base and oh my god there's a saga map and all these things that we didn't have and this is kind of that hey, we were on mobile this was first generation copy paste hey this is what we had on browser bring it to mobile cool we have a mobile game like this is it and then a real mobile game made for mobile leveraging the technology came out and just ate our lunch and so this is something I foresee like happening uh, in the not like this year and next year for sure, where you have too many people coming in trying to leverage the technology. And this is just going to be that incremental process of changing that mindset, uh, getting people to see the real game and the games that are on this Web3 platform. And ideally, you're not even like, marketing that this is web three it's just another game and this is one one of the things that i really look forward to is the parody amongst tech stacks because no one no one's like hey uh is this on unity unity or unreal like nobody cares right like as as a game player you're just like i mean outside of like some games like really leveraging unreal 5 uh nobody gives two f's um and i think that we will get to this very soon in Web3 where you don't have to explain, uh, you know, this is Web3 or, or Web2. This is just a great experience. Um, and so this is the only way I see us breeding trust because there's no initiative, there's no marketing campaign that is going to change this for an entire industry. Um, I mean, we don't have Apple behind us to change like the way people view uh, things. So, Really, I think it's just going to have to be incremental, step by step. Lovely. I'll take this to Jacob. Yeah, I, I can uh, only agree to this. And again, I guess just come back to like what I said before is that uh, I don't want to earn any kind of trust because I don't even we don't want to say that we're like a web three game that we're crypto that it's nfts or anything like that so we just want to get people to play the game download it for free and then play it and then make their own call whether they like the game 
and whether they trust us as a developer, which they won't think, right? But like subconsciously somehow, because they like the game and they want to play the game more. So they probably expect more because it's a mobile game. It's kind of like a service. So they, they would then trust the developer sort of to like deliver more content and then they're happy about it. And so that's why the, the it's yeah, like. I think this idea of getting the trust from people, the group of people who lost the trust in crypto and Web3 is so small in this world that like that crosses the the the, the player, uh, the, the general players, even if you have like three and a half billion players in this world who are like regularly playing games, like you know, digital games, um, which is huge, right? I would still think that the, the, the crossover is relatively small and then you have your own little kind of niche product most likely because a candy crush with nfts seems like a nice idea but this has lots of problems um so you gotta go with that niche that cuts into that other niche and then it gets smaller and smaller so that's why i would say just don't really think about it and just make a really good product and if you are about to launch or think about doing something that people have done before or even similar and dress it up nicer, then I think most likely you're going to fail because it's just going to be like people will see through it. And if they don't see a good game that they can play, but something that tries to tell them something about something that they don't understand, then they're out because they have done that enough the last few years. Some of them were lucky. Most of them got effed. And so I think, um, yeah, just to go with the game approach. Lovely. I'm taking this to DJ. Yeah, sure. I think I think this last question is really bringing all the other questions together because I think my answer to it would be the first thing is the transparency to your community. Like from the beginning, put your face up front. Like people would really like to have somebody to see. Like if it goes wrong, they know who did it and they know how to blame it <laughs> a little bit. But if you if you are very transparent, they really take your people into it uh, since the beginning. Um, and we're developing the game um, from 2021 or 2022 till now. I think I think that will really benefit you. I, I I strongly also believe that for now, if you want to do it, it's 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 a bit hard to do it. But as long as you're face front uh, there, it it it's still very possible to uh, to gain that trust. Um, and then there's the thing that you don't educate people up front. Educate them while they are playing the game and really gets to know the benefits of owning the assets like you could it's better to go for the surprise effect at the end than tries to do it in the beginning and chase people away um so that just says to do everything with build the next fun game and don't tell people it's crypto um, but then there's another aspect because companies like us need investment and need capital and investors um and the crypto investors they if they believe in you, they will still invest in it because they trust in the crypto side of it. But we are, for example, running a an equity round at the moment. And what you saw before is like the non-crypto investors, they pushed a lot of money into Web3 in 2021. Like they people didn't even have to <laughs> um, complete their presentation and it, it was just thrown at them, right? So, um, and last year, it's all of a sudden stops. Like, okay, this... Okay, I don't know what's happening with money. I don't know what's happening with the market, but we stop. We stop the investment in Web three. Now, what you're now seeing is the Web two point five was really being picked up. Like I'm talking to a lot of investors, and the first thing I say is like, we do Web two and a half. Web two point five is the future, and then they are interested. And 
So on that side, there's a lot of things to get to gain as well. And I think the the biggest part of the the crypto bear market, especially in gaming, is is over, and it's now time for a new era to to grow up the market. And I I strongly believe this is the way to do it. Okay, I'm taking this back to Vincent for closing thoughts. Right. No. Um, in general, I, I would agree with that. But it's also, I guess, one of the one of the things that we haven't um, uh, touched is the is the fact that like there's also a lot of talent that we talk to that want to hire. Um, that the second they find out that you know you're part of the let's say crypto world, they start to get anxious. Sometimes some of them even aggressive at some point. Like, why are you talking to me? I want nothing to do with this uh, rug pool business. Um, I do think the trust will <clears throat> will grow uh, again, uh, inevitably, as the experiences uh, get better. And uh, it is, as DJ says, like I think all the answers we gave before kind of bundled together in this one um, in that sense. But I do think that a lot of it's based on um, not understanding what the technology, the crypto technology can do for you, um, but only looking and focusing on the negative aspects. Uh, I know most projects we don't talk about the the best way to go about is to not talk about or oh, what three and we're this or we're that, but it's kind of uh, don't mention it. But if they do want to dig into it, then explain it to them. Yeah, I ask this question to everyone I speak to, candidate side, like, hey, anything you don't like to play? Is there anything you wouldn't like to work in, like gambling, crypto? Some people say both, and I always ask the question, oh, why not crypto? Because we have a couple clients and they seem uh, quite happy, like the questions we have there. And the answer I always get is, might be a scam, don't know about it, environmental stuff. And I push on this, and literally, I think it's just one of those where they have a preconception. Also, there are horrible studios who treat their employees badly in the crypto gaming space, and they might have friends that have done that. So if I was you guys, and you're having talent, you can just mention maybe 2.5, but being very human about it, it's like, look, this is what we're trying to do. Here's who you're working with. Like, nothing to hide here. We're not just grifters, basically. And you're going to get some people who are going to be hard. Don't, you know, don't try sell. Oh, I'm going to have a bad analogy. Don't try sell milk to a cow. I don't know. But just like if someone isn't going to take it, don't force it. But I guess come from a point of empathy. Like say, I understand where you're coming from. And then just have that conversation. And I don't think you can do that over text. That's my biggest thing. Like, you need to get them on the call. Like, if you do that over text, it's just, it's very hard. And it's context. That's my two cents on that. Appreciate we didn't have the time to go around. Uh, lovely. I'll leave that there. Thank you, Jacob, DJ, Vincent, Patrick, for all your insights. And thank you for everyone at home for listening. This has been the Evolution Exchange Gaming Podcast. I'll just leave with this. Please, if you see me make a post or you've been listening for a while and you're interested in joining because you probably would have interesting thoughts, don't be shy. If I reach out, reply, or just reach out to me on LinkedIn at Harry Foku, Foku spelled P-H-O-K-O-U.